Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Irene Salser. Irene is originally from Argentina, and she holds graduate degrees in psychology and social work. She specializes in several areas of parenting, including infertility, ADHD, and bullying. She has extensive expertise in treating eating disorders and in helping people develop healthy body image perceptions. Irene is also the author of the new book, 99 Tips to Reset the Table, Parenting in a Society Obsessed with Food, Weight, Obesity, and Body Image. Hi, Irene, and welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure to have you here. And I'm so interested in talking to you about what you consider to be successful parenting in the realm of food and eating and family life. Um, This podcast is called Family Confidential Secrets of Successful Parenting. And we talk about all kinds of definitions of successful parenting, but I don't think we've ever talked about in the realm of eating and family style. So can you please give me a definition of what a successful parent in this realm looks like? I think a successful parent looks like someone that gets out of her or his child's plate. A successful parent is a person that allows his or her kid to eat according to the child's sense of hunger, inner hunger in their stomach. In fact, the only way that a child and an adult can feel their hunger is through their stomach. And a successful parent, what she or he does is it's not he or she does not impinge all the time in the child's sense of being hungry. So a successful parent won't tell the child, eat everything that there is in your plate. What will they say instead of that? They would say something like, if you don't want to eat anymore, you don't have to eat it. Or if you want a second helping, here it is. So the child will learn from early on to self-regulate. Wow. This is brilliant. And um, I'm wondering why so many of us for so many decades have completely missed this. The idea of finish everything on your plate before you get dessert. Um, You can't move from the table until you finish everything on your plate. As if the child doesn't know when he or she is full. And the parent, I think, is operating out of some fear or anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. if, If my child doesn't eat, my child won't thrive. So how do we get past that fear? Mm -hmm. Every child that I know that's been allowed to eat whatever they want, when they want it, this child has not died of hunger or malnutrition. And I remember um, the, um, the pediatrician telling me one time when my daughter was very, very young, and I was, of course, complaining about her not eating enough vegetables. Um, he was telling me that fruits have the same, same vitamins and minerals than vegetables, and that in time, if I leave my kid alone, she will start eating those vegetables. So I think that another important aspect of being a successful parent is being really patient because there are tastes that are acquired tastes. 
that children do not like them just of bad. And meals and tastes and foods have to be served again and again till the child really feels brave enough to try it. And you can tell your child, you know, let's see who feels brave today. And one <laughs> day, she or he will feel brave. And another day, no, nothing new. Children also go through phases of eating the same thing. And that's why we really, really need to be patient. And we really need to keep serving an array of different healthy foods for when the child does feel brave. I love what you're saying about feeling brave because I, I am equating this to taking risks out in the world. You know, a, a very young child learns to walk and, and toddles and then they get a little more steady on their feet on a flat surface, but then there's a step down and, you know, it may be four inches, but to the child, this is... This is scary. So the idea of being able to take risks in the physical realm and you're equating it to taking risks and being brave, try it, try it, see what happens. And the repeated um, acquaintance or opportunity to try again helps to build up the child's confidence. I really love that. There's also something else I wanted to pick up on. You said a successful parent stays off or out of the child's plate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I love that because... I think too often um, it becomes a power struggle. Absolutely. We become so fearful and we become so upset and our history is just mm. leaning on us so heavily that um, mothers especially, although fathers too, we really freak out about our child having our body or not having uh -huh. our body, and we do forget that even if our child has exactly our body looks, it's a different time. We, it's this child is not ourselves, and we are going to act differently than how whoever acted with us, making yes. us so unhappy about our own body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting in so many realms, body as well. Um, when I ask parents, how many of you are actively trying to raise your children differently from the way you were raised? Mm -hmm. Typically, 80 to 90% of the people in the audience will raise their hand. And it's no disrespect to our parents, but there were things we experienced that didn't feel right. And maybe the, the body shaming or the pushing to finish the food or to stop on the other side, um, you don't need another helping of this. It's, it's the parent as the Uber judge who's trying to dictate to the child, I know best for you at all times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But you know what I think, Annie, whenever we try to do something and we just move to the total opposite of whatever we yes. through, <laughs> it doesn't really, really work because instead of acting, we may be reacting. Yes. And so the most important thing is to really take a middle ground. And if we really listen to our child, this child will let us know what she or he 
needs, even in terms of food. And I, I do know that parents get very, very upset when their child, and, and, and it is a stage also in which all that kids want is something sweet or things that are um, junk food. Um, when I talk to parents, I try to avoid the word and I try to make it fun for kids. So who's, you know, one day during the week, one kid will choose the dinner and one day another and that day people can cook together or make it fun. And that would be an opportunity not to have the junk food yeah. without telling the kid, oh, today we're eating super healthy. You know, there's not... You know, that some things are better left unsaid and yes. just lead by example. I think you're very wise in that. I was also thinking that not only preparing the food and shopping for the food, but the opportunity to grow food. Um, even if you only have space for some herbs in a pot, um, I know children take great pride and, and pleasure in nurturing plants. And the idea that something that they help to grow is now part of this food that we're eating. Oh my goodness. That's very exciting. They love it. They love it. They love it. And they will eat it. You know, even if it, if they grew spinach, they will eat the spinach if they, because it's this important thing that they've done. Yes. Yes. I did that. Um, the other thing I was thinking about is the idea of, um, being patient knowing that it's a process, that some foods are an acquired taste and take repeated um, exposures to. And I think that, you know, we can, we can look back at our own um, experiences. You know, when I was growing up um, in New York, we didn't have avocados. I I'd never really, I had no idea. I knew A started with the word avocado, but I didn't have a, a, a real world experience of avocado. Moving to California in my early 20s, um, I first tasted them, didn't like them very much, um, but now I adore them. So, so again, this repeated exposure, being positive and neutral without making it a power struggle is very, very wise. So we got this thing going, as you've just decided, um, you've described in the home of a healthy environment for where kids can, can pick and choose and decide for themselves when they are full and when they are hungry. But how about the impinging culture outside the home that makes kids from a very early age dissatisfied with their bodies. And we're talking about body image here. How can parents, successful parents, um, work with that? It is true that um, the strength of what is out there is very poignant. And um, teenagers and twins are for sure going to complain about their bodies right. and the way they look. But we need to be very, very um, sure about what we do with our kids. And we need to maintain various things. First, mothers should not criticize themselves in front of the mirror. If a mother says, oh, my God, I am so fat or, oh, my God, look at my legs or I look bad because your kid is going to be hearing it and taking it in. But that's the way 
a woman talks to herself. So is this daughters who are standing behind mom or daughters and sons? Uh, both, because sons need to learn that you don't look at girls and criticize them and criticize them for the looks. The second thing that you need, so you may want to say, oh my God, I look so fantastic today. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I remember my daughter when... Um, when she was little, she came and touched my tush and said, Mom, this is really mushy. And I said, yes, it is. And yours is going to be equally mushy. And doesn't that feel great? And she said, oh, yes, Mom, yes. Because for her, it was just a description. It is all of the other added things that are related to um, the media that makes bodies be um, something that is visual but not livable in. So um, kids, we, we need to really, really be strong and not criticize ourselves and maintain that there are different types of beauty and teach them literacy. So when you're watching TV and you are seeing together like a, a, a video of someone singing that um, looks like perfect, you can talk about lightning in the you know in the room and how that changes and you can talk about uh, photoshop and you can talk as to how bodies are really to be lived in and to be enjoyed and not just to be looked at no i love that image and that message that's so powerful and so different too, because, you know, we live in a very superficial kind of society. We're looking at images and we make judgments, snap judgments. You, you, even you use the word perfect. And that's kind of interesting too. It's like, oh, she's so perfect looking. I wish I looked like her. Um, Who defines what perfect is, especially if things are so enhanced with, you know, with, with breast enhancements and um, hair extensions and all, all the artifices that, that are relied on. Yeah. Yeah, and then we can exactly, it's so ingrained that I use the word perfect and we can tell our kids and us, we can know ourselves that perfect and ideal has changed throughout the times. Mm -hmm. So in the medieval times, um, having like red veins in our legs was a sign of beauty. Painters had just discovered how to paint red veins and the skin in such an exquisite way. And of course, heftiness was really beautiful. And so we can just have a conversation about how ideals change. Yes. And we're in the middle of, you know, a certain phase, but that does not mean that we all have to go along like sheep and, and judge other people by some very narrow standard of beauty and or judge ourselves. Now, we only have a couple of minutes left, Irene, and I want to make sure that we touch on the role of dads um, in this healthy body um, image producing family life <laughs> and has it to, to do with food as well. The so where do dads fit in? The, the role of dads is so important, Annie. And sometimes dads do not know it. They don't know fully how important it is. Okay, so listen up, dads. <laughs> listen up, dads. This is the one 
thing that they will bring and show the girls how other men need to treat them. So if dads come in and say to the girls, oh, you need to lose weight, or yeah. you look good, then that's a no-no. No. And for boys, they w- will also understand and live through the example of dads how they have to treat um, women. And when girls are so upset, one of the things that dads and moms can say is, you know what? Bodies change. You're 13. You're 14. I promise you, this is not forever. It's going to look different. And you know what? Dad might want to say, men like all kinds of different women. There is not just one taste. And yes, what's outside is very important. But you know what? You look beautiful to me. And just like you look beautiful to me, there are going to be so many men for whom you look equally beautiful. That idea of uh, inner beauty and self-confidence and how it radiates out. I always say to to the teenagers who are emailing me and and complaining about that they're not this enough or they're too much of whatever, and I say to them, um, when you truly love and accept the way you look, you are irresistible to other people. That that level of confidence is what you're talking about. That's great. Um, before we close, I'd love for you to give our listeners and viewers an opportunity to find out where they can learn more about your work. Um, well, they can get my book, um, 99 Tips to Reset the Table, and it can be uh, purchased at Amazon or through my website, www. I-R-E, Seltzer, my last name, C-E-L-C-E-R dot com. That's great. I want to thank you so much for the time you've taken with us, Irene. This has been um, educational for me, and I, I really appreciate the message that you're giving to our parents. Thank you, Annie. Thank you so much for having me here. Thanks. Have a good day. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with parents of tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com and check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century, and my new book for tween girls, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And if you like this podcast, please review us on iTunes. It will be a little thing for you, but it'll mean an awful lot to us. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time when my guest will be Susan Morris Schaffer. Susan is the Deputy Director of the Mid-Atlantic Equity Center, an organization that addresses educational equity and gender-related issues. She's also the co-author of How to Connect with Your iTeen. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.